Yes, hello and welcome to For and Against, where we look at the big issues in sport off the field of play, where we take sports seriously, sometimes. 2023 is already serving up some choice topics and controversies to delve into, so let's get straight into introducing a couple of very good friends and colleagues in Jono, Simon Johnson, g'day mate, good to have you back after being laid low the last couple of shows. Uh, trust you managed to take in a little bit of sport in great, that time. Great to be back, Rochi. Apologies for missing the last show with my uh, little COVID interruption and yeah. more more so, um, apologies that we missed our uh, end of year finance, sorry, end party. of year Christmas party. Christmas yeah. performing Christmas party. We need party. to get that back on deck, don't we? We do, we yeah. do, do, do. Oh, we'll take that offline, shall we? Uh, and welcome back, Stephen Riley, who um, didn't miss the Fawning Against Christmas party because he wasn't... In Sydney, which is for and against HQ, he stayed down there at Bleak City as our Melbourne correspondent. G'day, Riles. Well, if you're referring to the sporting capital of the known universe, yes, I was here. G'day, Paul. Hey, Simon. Hello, world. Uh, right, so plenty to get into, uh, including a bit of a look at the as-yet-unresolved matter of the NRL CBA and indeed a wider look at salaries in sport, if indeed salaries is the correct term. The change in Wallaby's coach caused some ructions, as has discussion about the man-cad in cricket. We'll throw in our two bobs worth there. Of course, we'll wrap up the show with Red Card, Yellow Card, our favourite segment where we poke fun at sporting types who have erred off the field of play. Don't forget to use the hashtag RCYC to draw our attention to any nominations you might spy. Uh, and speaking of social media, you can find us on Twitter at for and against, F-O-R-A-N-D, against. And on Insta, similarly, for dot and dot against. However, for now, let's get into the show. Recent research from one of Australia's biggest jobs website, Seek, suggests that January and February have the highest number of job listings and are also some of the most active months for job seekers. Where's this going, I hear you ask? Um, I'm sure it's to do with, um, you know, coming back from holidays and the the, the Blue Monday and lots of stuff. You'd and be all over that from your, previ- resolutions. your previous career. Yeah, I had a bit a of a dabbling uh, recruitment sometime. Was get, February always a good month for you? I mean, it was, it was um, before the internet, basically, when I was in recruitment. Not literally, but close to, so um, I forget. Uh, so, look, if that sounds like you, you know, looking for a new job, uh, boy, do we have some great ideas around your next role if you want to get paid really well. The only catch is you have to be pretty good at sport. Well, actually, really, really good at sport is quite helpful. So Forbes recently released their top sports earners for 2022. And while the top of the list was probably rather predictable, there were a few surprises. Uh, It was broken down by on and off field earnings. Jono, did you have a chance to have a look at the list? Start with you, talk to Riles, you know, have you got got some opinions on what you saw in that list there? yeah, I did have a quick look at the list. No massive surprises. Yeah. I mean, seeing Messi at number one uh-huh. uh, kind of made sense to me, taking the big big cash deal at PSG. Um, LeBron, number two, again, massive profile, so making um, Bitcoin both on and off court. Did you say Bitcoin? Bitcoin. Uh. Probably, probably has some Bitcoin as well. But yeah, there were, there were some very familiar names at the top there. The numbers were eye-watering though, weren't they? Yeah. Yep. Steve-O, uh, any, any sort of first thoughts after you glance at the list? Look, I was a little surprised. I wasn't sure if F1 were included or, or not, but they, they seem to say that uh, they just didn't make the top ten. I was a bit surprised. Um, look, I, I, think, I think that this number also comes before the World Cup. 
Yes, um, yes, it does. So, so I expect a, a number of the, the, the football leaders to go up next year. Yeah, good call. It was actually released, yes, yeah, very early 23. And, uh, yeah, I think they actually, it was more sort of midpoint, to, from midpoint to, uh, 21 to midpoint 22, I think they sort of fessed up in the fine print. Steve, interesting, you mentioned Formula One. I, I, I noticed them too. So Hamilton was at 17, Verstappen at 26. And the reason they weren't higher is because they were very much heavy on the salary side of things as opposed to the um, the off-field uh, endorsements and so forth. So, again, this list separated out those two elements and came out with a, with a full figure. So, Hamilton's on 57 mil income, and these figures are all gross, right? They made the disclaimers before agents' fees and all this stuff, sort of gross numbers. It, only 8 mil for endorsements, which I sort of can't believe, frankly. Seems light on, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And then you look at Verstappen, who's on the list at 26, 46 mil uh, as a contract income, whatever you call it, so not too far behind. Only two mil registered as uh, endorsements, which I don't know. I think the three of us could get two million bucks worth of endorsements if we tried hard enough. Well, I know you sort of briefly you know, skipped over a slip of the tongue there relating to Bitcoin, but there are a number of people on this list whose lists include NFT or Coinbase mm. or FTX itself, mm. you know, which uh, just went mega pear-shaped. So some of these numbers are probably a little wobbly right now. Yep, yep. And on the reverse side, I found some interesting uh, entrants in the list who did stuff all on field, but they've got such an entrenched name and you know marketing profile and stuff. They still made the list. Roger Federer, number seven. Yeah, top ten still. Seven hundred k as on field income. But Tom, Tom Brady as well pulled ninety mil off field. Yeah, Tom Brady's on. Tom, oh, Tom, no, Tom would have got a bit of money on field still, though. Still playing, yeah, but definitely in the twilight of his career. Sure, sure, sure. Um, the Tiger, forty k on field. <laughs> 68 mil off field, yeah. coming in at 14. Yeah. And even Serena Williams, who's one of two, only two women in the list, Serena, 300K on the field, 45 mil uh, off. And the other woman was um, Osaka, and uh, she actually had the fourth highest total of off-field income in the entire list, which I thought was pretty impressive. They're doing all right. They are. Okay, so pop quiz sport with the biggest representation in the top 50? Uh, US basketball. Steve-O? Well, I'll have to go football. Yeah, well, John, I was right there with 18 of the 50, and then NFL was uh, next with 14. I mean, NFL's an interesting beast, isn't it? I mean, we're talking about you know, players' salaries. So it's the most lucrative, but it's the least generous, is a quote that I saw around the NFL. Yeah, NFL's worth talking about, and I think this comes around because of, well, it's been certainly highlighted, I think, as a result of that awful situation with Buffalo Bills player Damar Hamlin. Uh, he had that cardiac arrest on the field. Mm. It's been a fair bit that has come out around that, not only, obviously, in relation to NFL injuries and player safety and those sorts of things, but the contract conditions of NFL players are really interesting. And I wasn't, I must say I wasn't aware of a lot of these things. And as you say, it's probably the most lucrative sport in the US and probably in the world, but it is regarded as the least generous when it comes to employment conditions for its players. So a couple of points to note here. One, um, player salaries are not guaranteed. So you look at um, Pat Mahomes, he's on a 10-year $503 million deal. Only, and I say only, mm. but only 141 mil of that is guaranteed. Mm. So if he's cut or if he's injured or if there's underperformance, mm. then his contract um, evaporates. Getting injured often leads to a pretty major pay cut. And so DeMar Hamlin is a really good example of that. So strictly speaking, under his contract, he was earning, I think, about 900k per annum. But once he's on the injured list, that automatically gives the club the right to only pay him about 400k 
per mm. annum. So really, really tough conditions. Mm. Um, and the NFL has a really tough injury rate. So there were some stats that came out saying, you know, there's four or five injuries per game in the NFL that compares to, you know, less than one in point the MLB. one or something, yeah. Yeah, point one in the NBA. And you've got that enormous health risk. And so it means that probably explains why teams don't want to commit to these longer-term deals. So, mm. you know, there's been a fair bit of press coming out that the players deserve better conditions in the NFL. Well, uh, in the NFL, that's exactly why they commit to the long-term deal because they're not committing to anything. Uh, look, I, I think it'd be easy to dismiss this as just an American thing, but interestingly, in baseball, they they are uh, the contracts are fully guaranteed. Yes, yes, good point. So, so it's not just a straight American thing, which I found really interesting. NBA as well, largely are guaranteed. So yeah, it, I think you're right, Riles. I think the NFL is a bit of an outlier. So. What I've read is this Hamlin, Demar Hamlin thing might be a bit of a game changer in that um, player power might finally come to the fore. I think the other point to note is with the NFL, you've got 55 players on a roster. And so whilst you probably do have five or six of those players who are the big names, get paid mega bucks, you do have that core group of 30 or 40 players who probably aren't as well known. Mm. It's probably harder for them to agitate for better conditions. Mm. So, And that's probably one of the reasons why the NFL players just haven't been able to, to get better deals. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I suppose to give a bit of a team perspective, looking at some of the money that teams spend on on salaries, PSG has recorded the highest ever wage bill for a professional football club at uh, 728 million euros, which translates to 1.1 billion Australian, the wage bill for PSG. I suppose you get that when you've got names like Messi and Mbappe and Sergio Ramos Neymar. On board, uh, yes, indeed. Real Madrid were 800 mil Aussie. Their salary cost rose 30% because of the bonuses paid out for winning the Champions League. And Man City's were, Man City, I think, was third at 369 mil. So there's still a fair bit of money sloshing around in football as well. Compares uh, a little unfavourably with the Australian situation. <laughs> Did you see, um, obviously, some recent news in relation to the NRL and uh, threats of strikes, uh, which is going on at the moment? Steve, are you trying to get in on football there before we move on to the NRL? Oh, look, I think it's, it is worth going to the rugby league, but I'll just point out PSG, you know, for all that money, are just winning league. Ah, oh, they're not, uh, <laughs> they haven't won the Champions League yet, which is where all the money was supposed to take them. Mm. Jono, take us down the uh, NRL route. What's going on there? Yeah, look, it's or worth... Or not going on there, as talking the case about, may be. We mentioned player power and, and how that applies. So in Australia at the moment, there's um, some threats of strike action by the mm. NRL players. Mm. Look, I think it's a fair bit of hot air, and I don't think it'll come to pass. But there is a collective bargaining agreement that the players had negotiated with the NRL. It actually expired a few months ago. And so at the moment, there's no deal, which means theoretically the season may not get underway. There's been some headlines suggesting that if that happens, the NRL might rope in a bunch of you know, US-based <laughs> rugby league players. That. I'm not sure if that's likely to happen. I think that's just... XNFL players, they'll learn more, oh. actual money, guaranteed. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, well, I think, I think the suggestion is emanating from the US rather than uh, right. any sort of voice here. It's, it's interesting, though. I mean, they're pushing for what seem to be pretty fair income causes. I mean, they want a better funded past players program, mm. injury hardship fund, funding for a medical support fund. They actually want a CBA for the women players as well. Mm. 
So, I mean, the NRL just recently announced a new $12 million per annum salary cut for each club. So that's big dollars these days. $12 million increase, obviously. No, $12 million overall. Oh, sorry, so, sorry, sorry. Yeah, $12 I've million. got my head in um, European football. <laughs> it does show the difference, doesn't it? it does. The wage bill is at nearly $1 billion. But, yeah, so salary cap of $12 mil per club mm. per season. So, look, I mean, there, there are big numbers that are floating around, but, you know, I read the average NRL player makes about $371,000 a year. Mm. You know, your top players like Nathan Cleary, north of one, mm. is on about 1.3. So there's big money there, but really probably only for the, the cream of the crop. And they have such short careers, don't they, as mm. players? Mm-hmm. Can do, generally do. Well, I mean, I think we should get out the violins and uh, feel very sorry for all these superstar sports people who are on uh, far more than I am anyway. Uh, that's that's for sure. But, yeah, your point is valid, John. There's uh, obviously a relatively short shelf life there. So, um, yeah, so Job Seekers, uh, January, February, jump online and see if you can snaffle one of these uh, top-paying uh, sports player jobs. Good luck. I want to the shootout now. We've got a few things to cover here. Let's start with the Wallabies, the Wallabies coach. So out with the old and in with the older. David Rennie out and Eddie Jones is back. I mean, on the surface, Rennie's provide, pro- provided provided us, presided over, one of the leanest periods of, of Aussie rugby in recent memory, whereas Jones, I mean, he's the guy that took us to the, the final in 2003, wasn't he? Yeah, Johnny Wilkinson. Yeah, and I'm trying not to Digitous. mention him, but... Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can argue the toss over which might be the better option, but gee, the whole thing was handled pretty poorly. Uh, Steve, I know you had a bit to say when we were talking about this just before we came on air about uh, about how this was handled. Look, I think it's really interesting. Uh, so many headlines are saying, oh, you know, we, we've given up on the foreign coaching experiment. You know, we've had a couple, we've had a few in a row now. We're going back to an Australian coach. Well, sort of. We're actually going for the most foreign Australian coach that we could possibly get. <laughs> yeah, um, for what it's worth, Eddie Jones has been brilliant in coaching the England team, mm. and I think if you're looking for credentials, you can't get any better. But there's certainly been a few Australian rugby players who are a bit miffed that uh, that Eddie's been welcomed back into the fold the way he has. Oh, really? Why? Did he leave with a – or he sort of burned a bridge or two on his way out last time, I think, didn't he? Well, to be honest, I think they're just saying we'd rather that they support the people who are growing the game in oh, Australia. okay, right. That's been the, the main contention, and, and and I agree with that. You know, you, this is this is one of the big challenges that rugby's had ever since they went professional. They haven't figured out how to grow the game right here across the country. I, I think Eddie is one of the best coaches we could possibly choose, but – He's not proving it here in club competition or state competition. Maybe he gets a pass, but I, I can see where the complaints come from. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, for mine, it was a brutal call, but the more I thought about it, I think it's probably the right call. I mean, Rennie, great guy, and I think he did a lot for the culture of Australian rugby. Uh, he was very liked, and some would say he did the best he could with some pretty average cattle. But, you know, Jones has a winning record. I think there will inevitably be a, a serious uptick and will do well in the short term. Mm. The thing with Eddie, as a few commentators have noted, is that after a couple of years, the players tend to get a bit sick of his very, you know, dominating, aggressive um, methods and so query whether the five-year deal that he's negotiated is going to work mm. well for the AAU but good on him for negotiating that deal it's brilliant for for him he'll get a, a home world cup a home line series so fair play to him mm. 
Does the national coach have to come from your own country? Like, sh- should it be, whether it be mandated or just a cultural kind of thing? I mean, rugby seems to be one of the, the sports that really agonises over this question. I'm surprised more sports don't agonise over it, but I don't it's, know. It's, it's, it is a funny thing. You, you have a foreign coach, you leave them open, you leave open the possibility of them being accused of not having their heart in it. Yeah, I mean, you look at Aussie Goose in football. I mean, we woke up success, obviously, for the um, the Socceroos. Yeah, I mean, I the think English cricket team with baseball. I mean, I think it's ridiculous. If you're the best person for the job, it doesn't matter where you come from. I don't think it needs to be mandated that way, but that's certainly my view. Of course, it should be mandated that way. That's ridiculous. There's only a dozen countries less at the, the top level for, for rugby. Surely, for the, what, seven or eight main countries, we can each have our own coaching staff. Really, mm. really, you want to? Uh, that's 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 outrageous. Of mm. course, you want an Australian coach for the Australian team. Here, here. so oh. on that logic, you know, the English cricket coach shouldn't be there right now. I mean, he's doing pretty well the last time I looked. Yeah, but I think the fact that he's doing well or not is is secondary or irrelevant to the question of whether or not you should have. Uh, so, I mean, you've got English players. So the coach has a very significant input into the success or otherwise of that mm. group. Shouldn't that not be an English person in this I think it's example? It's a very insular view that you gentlemen are taking. <laughs> well, let's have a couple of South Africans in the English cricket team. Oh, we already have <laughs> done that, done that. Uh, how do you think we'll go in the World Cup, seeing as we're talking rugby? Uh, I think we'll do better than we would have with Rennie. I think, mm. yeah, semi-finals maybe. Steve-O? Yeah, yeah, I think that Eddie is uh, – look, in the end, I think the Australian public will turn on Eddie – because the same way they turned on him last time, that he was a bit boring, right? Mm. He Interestingly, the way he coached England, they were much more entertaining than anything he ever coached the Australian team to do. So he might say it's to do with the cattle or the, you know, the players he had at the time, but he's a guy that is incredibly strategic, knows how to win. So I think, uh, yeah, I think that gets us to at least the semis. It's now a good time to casually toss into the conversation that uh, I've just recently got my hands on Wallabies versus Fiji Ooh. in Sanetian in France we'll later this to, year. Are we dialing you in for a show? From, That's a good question, uh, actually. actually. Yeah, we've got a three-month period there. We'll Potentially. Have to talk about that. Yeah, we'll have to think about that one. Uh, just an exciting buying process. I got up at 4 a.m. because it went on sale at 6 p.m. in France. Bleary-eyed. Refresh, refresh, refresh. Oh, there's something I want. Oh, sold. Oh, already someone else's we get. Oh, it's chaos. You got there in the end? Got there in the end. Well done. Took me a couple of hours, but got what I needed. Looking at cricket quickly uh, here on the shootout on for and against uh, the man cad. The man cad. Now, look, we studiously avoid on-field matters on this show. That's all done to death elsewhere by people who need something to do after they've actually played the game. But look, the allowance or otherwise of the man cad for me goes beyond the field. It, it goes the very heart of the spirit of cricket. And I say that with a sort of a half grin, but, I'm, but there's also an element of truth to that, right? It's, it's caused a lot of controversy in cricket circles. I'm starting to hear my eight and six-year-olds talking about man-catting in the backyard, which I'm you know, guessing not a lot of people would have done half a dozen years ago, maybe less. It's an interesting one, isn't it, um, Steve-O? I know you're, good, you're always good with an opinion. Where do you sit on the man-cad yes or no scale? Oh, I'm a big no on the man-cad scale. I think it's, it goes against the spirit of cricket. But, but I will say that... Having the uh, the non-striker, you know, one or two yards out of his crease when the bowler delivers the ball, doesn't it, it, that's not that's not in the spirit of the game. Correct. Either. So how so do you resolve you, this? Well, you got to tell the the batsman get get the hell back. Okay. Get the hell back. You've told him and he doesn't. So him or her. So what do you do now? Mm, oh boy. Hey. Uh, eh? Hey. Eh? 
Hey, I'm all for it, which is somewhat yeah. ironic because you know the man cat has a deep personal significance and resonance really? for me, Rochi. Really, and Riles. I, I'm not sure if I've shared this with you, but I, I need to get something off my chest. Do go on. <laughs> it was a bit of a keen cricketer back in the day, yeah. playing for the Allos under nine Bs. Uh, so it was high quality. Under was nines. Under nines. We are um, going back 42 years. Yeah, yeah, long time. I was playing wow. Anderson Park, and you need to talk about this. I'd need to talk. You should about have done this a lot earlier, but go on. I was opening the batting with a guy called James Todd and hey, James's father David was the uh, umpire um, I was at the non-strikers oh no. end and I was playing Trinity Grammar <laughs> and the Trinity bowler came into bowl and I was probably a little bit away with the fairies and obviously backing up too far and he whipped the bales off without any warning really so I got man-catted and he appealed and I I still have this vision in my mind I sometimes wake up with this vision <laughs> Of David Mr. Todd. Todd. Like James Todd was one of my best mates at the time and so I knew David, Mr. Todd, oh. pretty well. And I'm looking at him, pleading at him. It's like, <laughs> are you going to give me out? And he looked at me and said, Simon, I'm afraid I've got to give that out. Wow. And he raised his finger and it was like, I walked off the field in tears. Literally? I, yeah. Oh, I right. was so upset and, and upset about it. But, Rochi, fast forward, <laughs> 42 years, I am all for the man cat. <laughs> Mancat has created. Thanks for been, that context. It's been a little bit of a, a lifetime thing. I mean, as you, it's been a journey. Well, also as part of my degree, my undergraduate degree, oh, I, yeah. I studied a subject called cricket and the law, oh, and I did. wrote an essay about mancatting. Oh right. So I wrote six thousand words about this. <laughs> I could talk to you You're about the it all night, Rachi. But oh, I'll look what we've unearthed. But yeah, look for me. There's too many advantages to the batsman these days. The way, and, and I think there are some. There is some cultural significance to this. So the Mancad, obviously named after Vinu Mancad, mm. he, he ran out Bill Brown back in the 1947 mm. Australia-India tour. But on the subcontinent, there's never been an issue. If you're out of your ground, you don't even have to give a warning, yeah. whip the bales off and you're out. Ravi Ashwin's done it, much to Joss Butler's chagrin. I think there's this, you know, primary uh, white Anglo-Saxon view that it's just not cricket mm. or it's not the right thing. Mm. I think that's crap. Mm. And, you know, times have moved on. Yeah. And you don't even have to give a warning. I saw, obviously, Adam Zampa tried to get away with one uh, recently. Yeah. God knows why that was given not out, but I am all for it. Richard. I think he went past the, ver- the vertical, didn't he? Yeah. That, that was yeah. Zampa's problem. Yeah. I don't understand you, that, though. Why? Oh, no, I think you've got to – well, because if you go beyond the vertical, you're effectively saying to the, the, the runner, bowled. I'm bowling it. Yeah, okay. Uh, I think that's a reasonable rule. Jeez, yeah. John, look – sorry, Steve. No, no, well, Zampo, you went past the vertical and, and MCC had actually just recently revised the rule just to be very, very clear that it's reasonable for a runner to think that he's going to bowl when his arm gets that far yeah, yeah. into his motion. But I think, uh, you know, at the beginning of every show, Paul takes a very long time to read out the old-fashioned emails and the uh, and all the social media things, uh, places you can send stuff to, especially red card, yellow card nominations. What I would like people to send is pictures of their eight-year-olds coming off the field in, in tears. tears because Simon upset. said it's okay to man them. <laughs> Good one, Simon. Nice. One. Oh, he's got you yeah. in a pincer movement there, Jono. Yeah. Look, I mean, Jono, I'm, I'm, I take your view as well that I'm fine with it, but I just I don't have the emotional historical context behind it. 
Yeah. Well, I've come full circle, Rich. What can I say? It's it's caused me to harden up. What uh, what happened? What what, are those six, what happened? Those six thousand words. What did the six thousand words sort of conclude or oh, cover? Look, there were it's a while ago. I did get a high distinction. Just oh. quietly. It was such a rubbish subject. Oh, okay. I mean, it was a complete waste of time. Right, it was yeah. a jurisprudential subject. It was. Yeah. You haven't used it much in your your, your legal still career. Waiting. Still waiting. Yeah. Well, you use it now. Yeah. This is what you've used That's it for. Right. Content, Jono. Content. Congratulations. Yeah, interesting. Well, uh, it's uh, it'll we'll see how that permeates through cricket. Look, while we're talking about cricket, we canned the Afghan series. So Cricket Australia recently announced the men's national side would not be travelling to Afghanistan for the 50 over matches later this year due to further restrictions on women's rights in that country. Am I right in understanding they were actually going to go to Afghanistan? They were. Yeah, it was in the uh, in the schedule. Yeah, right. I mean, that alone is interesting. Uh, anyhow, the Afghan cricket board got a bit fired up and said uh, they released a fairly robust statement saying that the... Uh, the in, in actual fact, sorry, I think it was going to be in the UAE. So we're going right. to play Afghanistan in the UAE. I don't think we were going to. Yeah, because it says a home be, series, but um, yeah, yeah that, that makes more sense. Bold. In any event, we've canned it because of that political view or that sort of you know social view or whatever. And the, the ACB, the Afghanistan cricket board, uh, obviously came back and called it pathetic, uh, amongst other things. Should we have gone? Should we not have gone? Does it matter? I mean, I've Do read, we want some, to touch this? read somewhere that people are saying it's virtue signalling and, and the like. But look, I think it was a bit of a no-brainer. It was interesting to see Rashid Khan, the um, Afghani player who plays in the BBL, came out and said that you know if you're not going to go to Afghanistan then and you feel uncomfortable about that, then maybe I'm uncomfortable playing in the BBL. So whether he mm. goes through with that failed threat, who knows? But yeah, for my part, it was a bit of a no-brainer. steve Oh, look, I, I think they absolutely should have gone because it was in the UAE. You know, I think not wanting to go to Afghanistan, I understand. You know, there might be a safety uh, question there, but I I think this idea that they wouldn't want to go to the UAE, look, just, just say the players are tired and they didn't want to go, mm. you know, because I suspect that that has more truth to it than the virtue signalling that they went with. Well, we pulled that rain before, haven't we? And listen, before we leave cricket, Steve-O, you were telling us the other day that the ICC are messing with the concept of a hat-trick. Tell us more. Oh, my God. They have decided that, well, actually, I'd like to, I want to see if they've actually put it in print yet, but they are deciding that you can't have a hat-trick run over two innings. Hmm. So you may may recall many, many years ago, Murph Hughes getting himself a hat-trick. You know, he, he got uh, two wickets at the wrap up the tail. I think it was the Windies. And then his first ball, the next innings, hat-trick. Mm. Three in a row, hat-trick. Definitely a hat-trick. Bay 13 knew it was a hat-trick. Apparently not. Will they take these things away? Will it re- retrospectively be stricken from the mm. wisdom records? So sorry, well, Riles, is that outrageous. Over, over two innings or over different matches? That they're going to change it. So, oh. can it be a hat trick if it's the last two balls yeah. of one match and first ball of the next match, or is that not? No, a, I thought it was hat-trick. over two innings. innings you, yeah. it, it, over two separate matches is an interesting question, right? I mean, is is that the same the same thing? I could almost be convinced. Well, it sounds like you've got the Australian cricket team partying in the background over at uh, at. Uh, HQ right now. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> it is the Australian cricket team. We've just told them to be quiet, but uh, ca- carry on, Steve-O. No, no, I could almost be convinced that you can't have a hat-trick over two matches. But in the same match, two innings, it's it's just poor form. Poor form from the Marleybone Cricket Club. Mm, fair enough. All right. Look, I was always thought that um, a hat-trick across innings didn't really make not sense. Not the same. Yeah, it makes sense. 
Look, while we've got this hullabaloo in the background, I think that's a perfect time to switch to red card, yellow card. Red card, yellow card, where we poke fun at sporting types off the field of play. And uh, just we've got the soundtrack up for a bit of frivolity in the background for the sake of the segment. Steve-O, what have you got for us this show? Uh, look, I've got Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh, you know, again. He can, he, exactly. He's after naming rights for red card, yellow card. <laughs> he, he can always be relied on. And just when you thought he might be disappearing into the Saudi Arabian sunset where he's earning a squillion dollars, to play for Al Nasir, he has in his first press conference pointed out just how excited he is to be going to play in South Africa. <laughs> you got you just got to wonder. You just got to wonder. He's literally there to promote the country, and there he's getting the country's name wrong. I'm just wondering if he turned around and said, "I'm playing where? What? Huh? Seriously?" Oh, how much? How much? Oh, oh, that's okay. Step oh, off the private jet could be anywhere. So, uh, yeah, it's a yellow for poor old Cristiano. Yeah? I think a yellow for sure. Yeah. He's obviously a bit miffed having lost the top spot in the uh, salary earners list, I think. Jono, what about yourself? Very straightforward one for me, Rochi. Mm. Um, we can't go past Michael Clark, can we? I mean, it's just been mm. such fascinating grist to the celebrity mill, I have to say. It's been front and back page news. Pretty sad, obviously, the, the personal circumstances involved. But, look, it does have, I have to say, everything we want to see and that we love in a red card, yellow card nomination. It's got some drunken misbehaviour, some allegations of infidelity, some celebrity involvement. It's probably the only time i've ever felt sorry for carl aka carlos stefanovic poor bloke just wanted a quiet night uh or quiet new year's holiday with his missus and his in-laws new boyfriend has created chaos and it was filmed on grainy camera so it's got all those elements that that we see for so many red card yellow card nominations i have to say i haven't refreshed the daily mail and the telegraph website as often over the past little while as I have in the past week or so. I'm so keen for regular updates. Uh, um, but look, it's another in a long list of Michael Clark romantic dramas or entanglements mm. from Lara Bingle to Kylie with a Y to P.B. Woods to, to now Jade Yabra. But um, yeah, look, Clarky, I don't know what to say. It's got to be a red for mine. Okay. <laughs> the poor guy hurt his leg as well. Oh, dude, limping around in that, uh, in that footage. Boy. Boy, the most watched grainy footage of the year. For me, look, there's nothing like a poor performance on the world stage to set off uh, a bit of an internal inquiry and a good bout of of, uh, public blamestorming. So it was recently with the Sri Lankan cricket team, men's cricket team, who you might recall lost to Namibia in their opening 2020-2022 World Cup game. You with me? And indeed, they were bundled out at the group stage. Well, so where do we begin Look, first, let me pass respectfully, briefly, but necessarily over the most egregious of the indiscretions, which was an alleged assault by one of the players against a female. That's a matter before the courts. So we'll put that to one side. But that incident occurred only hours after their tournament ended. Now, arising from that coming to light, a five-member internal inquiry was conducted and recommendations were made for the team or about the team based on their behaviour. One was that casinos be off limits to players <laughs> on overseas tours. And also that wives be allowed back in to players' hotel rooms, having been dropped in 2016, to help ensure you know, a bit of modicum of, of decorum, make sure the players you know stuck to the rules kind of thing. Uh, now, one of the players was involved in a brawl 
at Casino. I assume this is Sydney. I didn't uh, see a report that uh, was definitive on that, along with six teammates. Uh, and apparently when one of them took exception to a patron taking their picture. Wow. So he's been fined and given a ban. I love this picture on it. The, the team manager tried to tell the inquiry that they only went to the big house for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Claiming... Good food there. And maybe a couple of years ago, this is true, claiming that Sydney restaurants were usually closed by 8, 8.30 uh, kind yeah, of stuff. of course, yeah. Now, John, as you're alluding to, far bit from us to judge. I mean, who hasn't gone to the cast for a good feed at good you know, two in the morning? Sure. You know, a good lax or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and the other one of note in this whole palaver is uh, former skipper Mahala J. Wardner, who was a paid member of the travelling circus, I mean, sorry, squad, as a quote-unquote consultant coach. So getting paid by the boards, Sri Lankan cricket board. But wouldn't you know it, he also managed to sneak in the opening of a pop-up outlet of his Ministry of Crab restaurant chain <laughs> at Crown in Melbourne, open for one month only. Uncanny timing, right? Wow. John, are you familiar with uh, with the Ministry of Crab no, no, at no. all? Like, um, Car is also behind this. Sure, sure. I, I'm sad I missed it. I'll have to check it out. It looked good yeah. in the pictures. It was just open for one month. Singapore chili or probably sort of white pepper. Didn't yeah. I think all of the above, mate? Beautiful. But yeah, they got outlets all across the <laughs> subcontinent. Mm, Asia. It looks really good. I'm up for that. And uh, icing on the cake. There was also reports of a profit being on the periphery of the team who supposedly had the uh, the ear. Oh, not a P-R-O-F-I-T, but a Correct. A, profit, right? a uh, you know, it's mystic, mystic yeah. kind of prophet who apparently had the ear and maybe the mind of a few of the players and indeed officials. They need a new prophet. They do. They do. So uh, that was that was just a... That's a, weird. A litany. That was a, that was a beauty, I reckon. So I think it's a yellow card, but I'm not really sure who you awarded to, to be to honest with you. team, I think. They just have team a collective, collective nomination. Oh, hold on. Let yeah. me just check. The Prophet said that we were going to award them a red card. Yeah. <laughs> a red card. Oh, okay. No, well, I haven't come under the Prophet's spell, you see. So I didn't. I haven't made that mistake. So um, I'm going yellow. And look, to be very clear, Rob, we're removing that criminal complaint that I alluded to, just to be very, very clear. But in all the other stuff, the palaver that went on, it did have a few elements, John, like yours. It had a few of the elements of yeah. the craziness. Yeah. Casinos. It's a good get, Richie. I hadn't heard about that one. Yeah, yeah, it was a good one, wasn't it? Yeah. All right, well, so I think we're calling that a yellow. We're sort of agreeing yep. that's a yellow. Agreed. Yeah, good stuff. Look, with that agreement having been reached, uh, we also reached the conclusion of another exciting episode of For and Against. Thanks for listening, folks. Thanks for being part of it, Stephen Riley. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, ball boys. And yes, indeed, Simon. Thank you, Jono. Good to see you on deck once again. See you, Richie. Great to be here, as always. Uh, don't forget on socials, on Twitter, at forandagainst, underscore, and on Insta, for.and.against. But until next time, in about a fortnight, it's Paul Roach saying bye for now. 